Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest on this episode is Robert O'Neill, who everyone, on, if you're on Cubs Twitter, you probably know Robert. Um, he's a big presence on there. He also uh, has a blog that he runs, um, Big East Coast Bias, which is a Big East blog, um, the Big East College Basketball, where he writes a lot of stuff, but... Of course, we have him on here to talk about the Cubs. His uh, Twitter trademark of reminding everyone that the Cubs did, in fact, win the World Series. And uh, a lot of other stuff about the Cubs. It's a pretty enjoyable conversation, and here is Robert. Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. Glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks, man. It's uh, good to be here. All right, so uh, let's get right into it. We had the Cubs convention this last weekend and basically the Cubs said you know we're not doing anything we're not going to make any major moves I mean yes I know they signed Brad Brock and now George Contos tonight but they're not going for any of the big name people and I guess we're just going to have to get used to this as Cubs fans I mean what else can we do yeah I mean you know it's a it's a little disappointing I think a lot of people spent the last few years kind of uh getting excited about the potential of Bryce Harper, uh, you know, coming to Chicago with his friendship with Chris Bryant and kind of everything we're led to believe. And, you know, it's not technically over until he signs somewhere else, but it is a little disappointing just from, uh, you know, that aspect that I think we all got really excited over it. And uh, it just ended up kind of fizzling out. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, maybe we, the fans built this up in our, our minds a little bit because you know yeah they're they're the bromance and then some people wanted Manny Machado but people thought they were saving up for this big year and it just didn't happen and I guess it maybe it was just our fault as fans were getting too excited and not thinking like maybe the management was actually thinking yeah I mean I uh I think it was a little surprising I think to uh see them operating under apparently strict budget in the first place, uh, you know, with the uh, new TV network coming down the pipe and, uh, you know, the fact that they were able to pick up Cole Hamill's option for $20 million seemed like they were going to be able to spend some money this offseason. But, uh, yeah, it just, uh, it's it's been a little underwhelming. Yeah, and of course, uh, the Cubs you mentioned, you know, I've, I've never been to one, but Obviously, in the past, it was something, especially with the Tribune company, where they'd make the big splashes and stuff, and that's not something this era of um, Cubs have really done, but uh, I just, what your thoughts were on the Cub convention in general? Um, I mean, in general, I think it's a really good event. I've been to a few of them. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a, you know, a good way for the uh, fans and players to kind of uh, obviously get to know each other a little bit. I think, uh, you know, having it in the middle of the off season, you know, the middle of the winter, kind of in Chicago, is kind of a nice thing too for fans who maybe can't get to spring training, but you know, still want a taste of uh, you know the upcoming season. And I think overall, it's a it's a really good event, uh, despite you know the lack of a big splash this year. I think uh, a lot of people enjoy it as a whole. Well, I guess the big story out of the um, Cubs convention really was, of course, 
uh, St. Louis public enemy number one, great menace to the state of Missouri, Chris Bryant. Uh, did you see this coming? The Chris Bryant St. Louis feud? No, um, you know it's it's kind of interesting because uh, you know if you if you look at guys on the Cubs roster who uh, would cause you know a commotion with something like this, you really wouldn't think Chris Bryant would uh, be the one to do it. But you know, I think more than anything, it was just kind of an offhanded thing. Uh, kind of a pandering type of thing to get the fans going a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Cardinals uh, writers and particularly some of their players have taken it a little too far because I know they're still talking about it today. Yeah, I wonder if it's one of those things where it hit a little too close to home because they're reacting like this This is a very sensitive subject, calling St. Louis boring. I didn't expect this kind of furious response. It's a little strange, and uh, you know you got to remember with Chris Bryant, he's from Vegas, and he played in uh, San Diego, now Chicago. Those are really the only three cities he's been in, and I mean, all three of those cities are less boring than St. Louis. And you know, I think another thing when you're a baseball player and you're in a city for three days, and most of your time is taken up, you don't really get to experience the city in full. You know, uh, I do. I actually live in St. Louis right now, and it's it's not terrible. I mean, it's. It's kind of, you know, like you'd expect from any mid-sized city where, you know, there's some stuff to do. But obviously it's not New York or Chicago or, you know, Vegas. But, again, I, I think I think the Cardinals are taking it a little too far here. Yeah, it seems like that. And, you know, it's funny because uh, I'm kind of in a weird position when I came to St. Louis because I'm a Rams fan. I've been a Rams fan since mm-hmm. I was a little kid. Like, my family liked them because they were on – local TV in like the 50s and my grandfather watched them but um, I've been a Rams fan but I was never a St. Louis fan so I was on the front lines of this whole LA versus St. Louis fight over the Rams uh, yeah I mean that's that's the type of thing that uh, I think you're you're definitely um, an interesting case there. I think, uh, you know, in a city like St. Louis with multiple teams you kind of like them all or you don't like any of them so I, I think that's actually really interesting yeah, it was funny that, like, the L.A. fans and the, were just ripping each other's city. So it kind of reminded me of that, that the L.A. fans would attack St. Louis and St. Louis would attack L.A. And I'm like, boy, I'm glad I'm in the middle on this one. Yeah, absolutely. And I also just wanted to plug the Rams since they're in the Super Bowl. Like, I got to do that in my podcast. Yes. Hey, man, hopefully they win. I don't think anyone's uh, trying to see the Patriots win again. Yeah, I don't think so. Um now, I guess the, with the Chris Bryant thing distracting everything and some of the money stuff, um, the Anderson Russell stuff has kind of moved to the background, but it's still a big deal, I think, obviously. And I just, I'm, you know, you got now you're getting to this point where all the different players have to say what their views are on the subject, and it just feels like it's going to be more of a mess as we go into spring training coming up. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's obviously, you know, the Russell situation uh, is something that kind of needs to be handled delicately. Um, I don't think the players particularly enjoy answering questions about it um, because I think it was Ian Hatt, the Cubs convention, who pretty much said, you know, it's, it's kind of Russell's issue to deal with and you know it's it's a little unfair that the rest of the team kind of gets lumped in because you know he is still on the team they can't technically you know make public comments against him even though they might want to um and yeah i i just think uh you know it's it's one of those things where obviously 
you would rather it had not happened in the first place, just uh, first and foremost, you know, from a perspective of it's a terrible thing for Russell to have done. But, you know, I think uh, obviously as a fan, I would like him to not be on the team anymore, um, and I still have hope for that as the offseason kind of rolls along. Because um, I think it is going to get pretty uncomfortable uh, to continue to root for the Cubs starting, you know, the middle of May or whenever he comes back. Yeah, I, I agree. Too. I'm, I'm strongly in that camp, too, that I don't want him anywhere near the team. But it's one of those things, too, that he's going to have to talk in spring training. And is that going to go well, uh, you know, he hasn't ever spoken publicly about this. They released that, you know, kind of crafted statement, and but he has never had to talk. And is that going to be? I just I don't feel good about that when he has to make that speech in front of the the press in spring training. That that can't go well. No, I um I there's really no indication that it's going to go well. Um, you know, obviously you talked about the statement that they released, but. You know, having not heard from Russell directly, um, it's just kind of hard to gauge. I mean, you assume what he's going to say in the statement is, you know, I've, I've, you know, grown as a person and I take accountability. But you don't know for sure, first of all, that he actually has, or even that he's going to say that. I mean, it just, it's, it's not a good situation. Yeah, I'll just ask one more thing on it. What do you think of this, um, the statement that Theo made during the convention that? You know, the experts have told us we should give them a, a conditional second chance, and that's the right thing. It would be easier for us to release them. And do you buy that, or do you think they're just trying to get a little more value out of him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think both sides can be true. I, I do hope that Theo has been working, you know, with the, you know, exes. And, uh, but at the end of the day, it's still a business, unfortunately, and, you know, you either have to maximize your returns to make a trade worth it from a business perspective or, you know, deal with the PR hit of keeping him there. And it's it's not ideal. I mean, you know, we've, we've gone through it with Rollis Chapman, uh, went through it a little bit last year with Daniel Murphy, and it's, it's not the situation you want on a team that you enjoy. You know, you'd like all 25 people to be kind of good, outstanding people. Yeah, and unfortunately it's just... It's never going to work out that way, no matter... I guess that's just the perils of sports, is it's just never going to... Yeah. You're never going to get a team full of guys that you love. It's just not probably going to happen. But um, we'll move on from that. Uh, obviously, let's talk about some happier stuff. Uh, the 2016 yeah. uh, Cubs World Series. Yeah, they, they won that World Series, yeah. and people forget that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty common thing that... Uh I have to remind people about because uh, it's not something that too many people remember, I don't think. That's right. And for those of you who listen who aren't on Twitter, it's Robert's job to remind everyone that the Cubs did, in fact, win the 2016 World Series because that can't be forgotten. Yeah. So how did this whole thing start with you? Was it just like one joke that kind of got built a life on its own, or was it just like you thought you should remind everyone that they won the World Series? Yeah, I mean, I think... uh Really, in the days immediately after, um, you know, I kind of just kept tweeting about it because obviously it was, you know, an iconic and defining moment, uh, you know, in the lives of a lot of people, and uh, you know, it just it just kind of never ended, pretty much. You know, I did it the whole off season, and then uh, 
you know, it kind of helped with 2017. The Cubs got off to a rough start, so it was just like, oh, you know, they won the World Series last year, so let's all calm down a little bit. And then it just kind of, it's just kind of a thing now that continues to happen. Um, you know, I would say probably still once a week I pull up the uh, final out video and it still, you know, gets a reaction out of me. And I think, you know, if it ever doesn't get a reaction, then I'll probably stop doing the whole uh, people forget that thing. But like I said, man, it was just, it was such a moment, you know, and the whole game, the whole season, um, just really defining moment for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I hope thinking back on that uh, can help brighten people's day when they read it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, some of it is also you know, a little bit of a smack talk with other fans and stuff, but you know, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. That's right. And maybe some fans a little North of Chicago that are kind of feeling their oats lately and acting like they're, you know, tough. I'm not going to name a city. It's city that brews beer, but I'm not going to name it, but they might need to be reminded because in fact, they have not ever won a world series. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they got close last year, but uh, close does not count. That's right. We don't want to be too mean to the Brewers fans, but got to take a little shot. All right, well, I will um, ask one more Cubs question. Um, we got a lot. They're looking for internal improvement. That's obviously the theme we're getting. You know, Chris Bryant hopefully back from his uh, shoulder injury, but out of, like, you know, a Contreras, Schwarber, Hap. Who do you think is going to be the guy that really makes the big leap forward in 2019? I'm not going to say Chris Bryant, because I think we're all expecting him to come back and, uh, you know, be better than what he was last year when he missed, what, 60 or 70 games or whatever with the injury. You know, same with you, Darvish. I think we're all expecting him to bounce back and be very good. But, you know, I think in terms of players that were around last year for most of the season, you know, I think – a Wilson Contreras could uh, definitely make a leap forward. I think uh, Chili Davis kind of really stunted his development a little bit, and I really hope he can bounce back from that. Uh, I think Kyle Schrober had a really nice first half last year and then kind of cooled off a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he kind of became more than just a home runner bust guy, which is nice if he can continue that going. Um, you know, I think Ian Happ made some nice developments last year where he wasn't striking out as much, which is obviously very helpful in the lineup. Yeah, I think Jason Hayward had probably definitely his best year with the Cubs so far. Um, if he's going to continue to be around and not be replaced by Bryce Harper like we all kind of thought, it'd be nice to see him continue to play well. You know, um, and that's kind of the thing I've been telling myself. You know, I obviously would have liked Harper or Machado or any of the other free agents, but you know, they won 95 games last year. They were in first place until – what was the last day of the season? I, I mean, they're not a bad team. Yeah, and they did have a lot of, you know, underperforming last year. They A lot of their key players did not play well, other than obviously Baez. But, you know, and they still uh-huh. won. So if they can return to form and some guys can develop, yeah, it, you do feel good. But it's still with no moves. You, you almost like you feel like you're losing in the offseason which is weird because really the offseason doesn't matter that much. And you can just list off the teams that won the offseason that ended up being just horrible the next year. But when it's going on and nothing else is going on, it feels like 
you're losing, even though you're probably really not. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think Milwaukee was one of the winners of last offseason. Obviously, worked out well for them, but you know, as a whole, like you said, uh, you know, you don't win championships in the offseason. You know, the Padres had that one offseason a couple years ago where they uh, got Craig Kimbrell and Justin Upton, and you know, they were in first place for I think like two total weeks that season. And, you know, the Angels, dating back to signing guys like uh, Pujols and Hamilton, you know, they would win the offseason, and where's that gotten them? You know, so it's it's a mixture of, you know, making an impact signing, but at the same time really relying on the talent you have on hand. Yeah, and yeah, I guess that's really the only option we got this year because, as has been made clear, it's not going to be anyone outside. Maybe a trade... But they don't really have anyone to trade, so it's pretty much what they're going to have to. No, um, yeah, and uh, you know, not to not to cut you off, but even you know, a Marwin Gonzalez type. Uh, if you don't want to spend the money on Harper or Machado at this point, uh, I think Marwin Gonzalez is a player who could really make an impact. You know, uh, he is kind of versatile. He uh, it kind of fits what they need. Um, but yeah, I think a trade, unless you know, they don't have any kind of high-level prospects to give up that maybe you could attach, you know, Tyler Chatwood to and free up some money that way. But it's it's not a good situation. But, you know, I I think by the time the season rolls around, everyone will be kind of excited and optimistic and just ready to strap in and do the thing. Exactly. And, of course, if the Cubs go out, like, you know, come out on fire, everyone will forget about the offseason. If it doesn't go well, maybe exactly. they'll still be – Chirping, but well, yeah, and you know the thing is, if it doesn't go well next season, you know Joe Madden's probably definitely not going to be there anymore. It's pretty much a new start in 2020, anyway. So, you know, obviously you don't want to have this mentality in the middle of a contention window, but this year is kind of a playing with house money year. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I'll, I'll go to one non-Cubs baseball question. Um, so, do you think this collusion thing is? You think there's collusion? Because it's starting to feel super collusiony the past couple of years with how slow these free agent markets have developed. Yeah, you know, I was um, I was firmly kind of against the whole mentality of collusion last year, just because um, you know I really did think teams were not sold on you know you Darvish with his injury history or, you know, Jake Arrieta with only a couple years under his belt or, you know, J.D. Martinez who kind of came on fire the past couple years. But, you know, we're we're getting closer and closer to February and you have Bryce Harper and Manny Machado unsigned and they're both, you know, in their mid-20s and, you know, they've been franchise players for their entire careers. I it's um, it's definitely alarming. It's definitely something that I think needs to be looked into. And, uh, you know, I think I've, I've said this a lot on Twitter. I think the eventual result is a work stoppage for a pretty long time, either when the CBA is up or before that. But, um, you know, you look at the other sports, they've all had, you know, lockouts or work stoppages since baseball at their last one. So I, I think it's just time to kind of put a stop to everything and just hit the reset button yeah that's probably probably what we're going to end up with but i guess we will see in the next couple years because that uh, cba expires in 2021 and yeah i'm with you i think there's going to be something that happens around that time so Mm -hmm. 
Enjoy your baseball now, people. So now I'm going to – another thing that people who follow you on Twitter, of course, are well aware of is that you are a pretty big wrestling fan. Say, I would say I you're the biggest wrestling fan I know, but my own little brother is also obsessed, especially with old school WWF. So, but you're 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 close to the biggest wrestling fan I know. But uh, just, I guess I should. I'll ask. Um, what era of the WWF slash WWE is your favorite era? You know, I'm I'm a really big fan of the uh, current product. I think it's been really. Uh, Really enjoyable to watch, especially the past couple of years with uh, kind of all the new guys they brought up from NXT and, uh, you know, from other promotions. But uh, I do have a soft spot for kind of the early 2000s, uh, you know, Ruthless Aggression era, kind of when John Cena was uh, first getting his start. Um, you know, guys like Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio um, just putting on really solid matches every single week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely something I go back and watch. A lot of people are into, you know, the late 90s stuff. Um, it doesn't do as much for me, but, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, I do genuinely, genuinely enjoy, you know, wrestling Twitter and the tweets about it. You know, it gets, it gets annoying like any group of Twitter or Twitter in general, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun overall. Yeah. Of course, that's what my, my little brother is like. All about the '80s wrestling, so I get a boatload of that. Yeah, I get a boatload of the '80s wrestling, and my God, that stuff was insane. I don't even know how that how they get on TV. I mean, it was just nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming there was a lot of cocaine and other things being done by the wrestlers during these things because it's like it's insane. It's like what if a bunch of people did drugs and wrestled? That's basically. The whole eighties. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, yeah, and it's it's definitely cleaned up since then. Um, I don't think there's much drug use or steroid use, but the, it is very prevalent in the eighties. Even when you you know watch it back now, just they're they're huge. You, know, you look at a guy like uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, just that's not how a person is supposed to look. I will say my one favorite before we move on. The one favorite wrestling story is that um, the Ultimate Warrior, like everyone else on steroids. Stopped taking steroids He looked so different That people thought the original Ultimate Warrior Had died And was replaced with a new warrior Because he looked so different without being on steroids Yeah, yeah, no, that uh, That is a very good story Um, that's Kind of one of the, you know, common urban legends Before the internet uh, Just kind of circulated around And it's kind of funny Yeah, but we'll move on from uh, wrestling too I guess what I call your blogging day job, um, which is covering college basketball, uh, specifically the Big East. So I thought I'd ask you for um, who's a really uh, dangerous team overall in college basketball and who's going to win the Big East? Yeah, I think overall, um, you know, it's one of those years where I think the top you know, four or five teams are probably the ones you want to take in the NCAA tournament. Um, I'm pretty high on Michigan at the moment. Uh, I know they lost to Wisconsin the other day, but they rebounded nicely with a win to Indiana. Obviously, they, you know, were the national runner-up last year, and they look even better this year. Um, Pretty high on Gonzaga. They won by something like 58 points or whatever last night, just made it look real easy. Um, You know, obviously, 
Duke gets all the hype nationally. Uh, Zion Williamson's very good. I don't traditionally trust a team with that many freshmen in the NCAA tournament just because I think the uh, you know pressure builds up and you run into a situation where freshmen don't necessarily play defense well enough and you know in a one game type of situation that will kill you um you know, as far as the Big East, uh, Villanova is currently sitting at 6-0. Uh, you know, they kind of had a rough start to the season because they lost four guys to the NBA last year, but they're they still the team to beat in the Big East. But uh, Marquette looks pretty good as well, and then everyone else is kind of in the middle. Yeah, and, you know, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, Gonzaga's gotten so close recently that you think one of these years they just go over the top and finally just win the title, but... Uh, you know, you never know until they actually do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. Uh, you know, they made the Final Four finally a few years ago, and they made the uh, championship game against North Carolina, but eventually you just got to break through and win it. Yeah, and I guess, of course, I, I would tend to be like, Michigan looks, their defense is incredible, so. But, yeah, I don't know if I yeah. buy Duke. But, of course, they're due for, you know, every four or yeah, five years. I, um, I wanted. To, I like Virginia a lot too, but after last year when I put them in my Final Four, it's going to be hard for me to pick them again just because uh, you know what happened. But yeah, I think Virginia's a team that could also be there. I want to make sure to mention them. Yeah, and it, again, my bizarre collection of favorite teams. Uh, I like Boston College for college sports. It's a very weird team, and basically. I've given up all hope on them ever making the tournament again. I mean, I don't, I, I just, they've been so like Al Skinner was their last good coach. And ever since it's just been kind of a nightmare. Yeah. But I guess every year is a new chance. So anyway, um, I guess I'll let you, uh, go out of here and you can plug like where you've been doing your writing on uh, college basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to, Follow me on Twitter at Robert O'Neill 31. Um, you know, a lot of uh, wrestling and basketball and baseball. Once baseball season gets back going, um, uh, BigEastCoastBias.com for Big East related uh, stuff. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. All right. Well, thank you for uh, coming on my podcast. Um, I hope you had a good time. Yeah, man. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. And of course. The Cubs won the 2016 World Series. Yes, people forget that. Yes, they do. All right, thanks for coming on. As always, I am STH85 on Twitter. If you have a question to ask the podcast, you can send me a message on Twitter or uh, email the podcast, the email address, holycowpod at gmail, holycowpod at gmail. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, also, I have a hockey podcast for those of you who like the Chicago Blackhawks, the Emergency Goalies, a Blackhawks podcast. Uh, my co-host is Michael Ernst. He's a good guy, and we have a lot of fun discussions about the Blackhawks. Although they suck right now, it's still fun to listen to. So, anyway, until the next episode, thank you for listening. <laughs>